Jesus, I thank you that you love us, that you invite us into relationship, that we can know you and enjoy you now and forever. God, thank you for that truth that we have been exploring. Lord, I pray now that, um, Lord, many of us are familiar and know that you called disciples and that you have this vision for all of us to be disciples of you. Lord, I just pray very specifically that we could hear your call in our lives personally and say yes. Lord, if that's something we've never even really paused and considered, what it would be like to, to truly be a disciple of you, to live with that sense of intentionality, to watch you grow and shape us, and then for us to turn around and disciple others. God, I pray we would hear your call to that. We would, we would respond. We would say yes. We would walk that out. Lord, if we've been faithfully walking with you for a long time as disciples, Lord, would you just equip us more and more what that looks like for us right here, right now, today, where you have us? How can we faithfully continue to be your disciples and to pour into the lives of others? Lead us and guide us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so as, as we dive into this, um, I'm gonna hit on some topics that we covered this week if, if you were going through the study material in the ADJ book. Um, but I wanna give us kind of an example in the scripture of how we can apply this in our lives. And so I'm hoping that as we look at the disciples in Jesus and just one moment in their lives that they went through together with him, we'll see some ways that the Lord wants to show up in our lives in day-to-day -day ways to invite us into this. And so um, one of the things that really gets unpacked kind of early in, in the book this week was this idea that being a disciple is about becoming like your master. It's about becoming like your master. And very specifically, two things. Becoming like your master in character, like, like just who we are in our integrity, who we are at our core. Becoming like our master in character and in purpose character and purpose. Now, if you've been around for a while, when we've talked about discipleship here in our church, we've used a really simple analogy for like the target of what is a disciple. We use the little triangle shape. Anybody remember that? And it reminds us that a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, right? I'm following the master. And then what's the second piece? I'm changed by Jesus. Awesome. And what's the last one? mission. I'm on mission with him. Listen, being changed by him, that's about character. Being on mission with him, that's about purpose. All right, so I want you to see how these dots connect. So as we follow our master, he wants us to grow in character, becoming like him. And he wants us to learn to live with the purposes that matter to him. And so that's where we're going. So what the disciples did in the scriptures is the same thing Jesus invites us to now they were growing and learning as they went through life. He said, come follow me. And so some of the disciples, like when they heard that call, they, they were like, okay, well, where are you? Where do you go? He goes, come and see. Come and see where I live. Come walk through life with me. And so disciples, as we navigate life following the master, along the way, he is shaping our character and revealing his purposes that he's calling us to participate in, Okay. So as, as we get into this this morning, here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna explore the conditions of being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. What are the conditions? 
we're going to look at the cost. You know, if my character is going to be refined and shaped, if I'm going to start living for his purposes, not mine, it's going to cost me some stuff. So what are the conditions? What are the costs? And then thirdly, what are some of these characteristics that he's wanting to develop in me along the way? All right, and so our backdrop for this is we're gonna look specifically at the miracle of the feeding of the multitudes. We're gonna look at this one example of, of Jesus fulfilling his purpose, right? Ministering to the crowd, ministering to the multitude, fulfilling his purpose, while at the same time investing in the character of his disciples. They participated in this moment with him. And so we're gonna look at this story to, to kind of mine out all three of these things, the conditions of being a disciple of Jesus, the cost, and the characteristics. So just a little background here. If you wanna go ahead and turn your Bible to Matthew 14, we'll start reading in a minute. But one of the things I love about this story, you know, if you've, if you've read through the four gospels, you'll see some overlaps and you'll see certain stories that's, you know, this one stood out to John. You know, and so he kind of leans into that story maybe more than the other guys, or this one really stood out to Luke. And so, but every now and then, there's some stories that are in all the gospels. This is one of them. The feeding of the 5,000 is in all four of the gospels. That gets my attention. Like that, this moment made an impression upon his disciples. So much so that they were like, we gotta make sure we retell this. And as they were even aware that folks were beginning to record and write these gospels. Some of them said, well, hey, I know Matthew covered that, but I gotta share my perspective on what the Lord was doing in my life through that moment. So I'm, I'm sharing it too, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, but I just, I love how the Holy Spirit impressed this upon them. And they noticed it was a significant moment. So all four gospels, I'm on your own. We're not gonna look at all four of them this morning. We'll focus on Matthew and John, but, but on your own, if you wanna make a little note or it's in my notes, Matthew chapter 14, records this story, Mark chapter six, Luke nine, and John six are the, the four places where the, the story is told. Additionally, just to kind of eliminate confusion, Jesus fed the multitudes more than once. And so Matthew and Mark also both record what's known as the, the feeding of the 4,000. And so that's in Matthew 15 and Mark 8, just if you're curious. All right, so let's jump into this. Conditions of being a disciple. Um, one of the conditions, the, let me start by saying this, the primary condition for being a disciple of Jesus is to be in relationship with him. It's the primary condition. If I'm, if I'm trying to be a disciple of Jesus without being in relationship, friends, that's where so much of our just re religiosity comes from. It, it's what the Pharisees had wrong. They had a lot of the right information. They probably had really good notes in their, in their journals. But that primary condition, being in relationship with God. See, if they were in healthy relationship with the Father, they would have recognized the Son. Because that did happen for some people. There were people who went, ooh, this is Him. And so being in relationship, it's the primary condition and it's the, condition, it's the conditions of that relationship then, as we move in this relationship, the conditions of our relationship are based on his terms. A couple weeks ago, we talked about um, how God's nature, like he defines his nature and what he's like, and I have a choice to make. Will I take him as he is, 
Or will I waste a lot of time and energy trying to shape him to be what I want him to be? And I'm really just carving my own idol, right? I'm creating an, an idol that's not the true reflection of him. Well, if we're gonna step into relationship with the God that we're getting to know, we've gotta take him at his terms, his conditions. And I gotta tell you right there, that offends me <laughs> in my flesh. Like, wait, wait, I gotta take him on his terms? What about my terms? Like, I get to make choices and decisions. But see, the reason, the reason my relationship with him and the conditions of being a disciple are based on his terms is because it's rooted first in his character. If I realize truly that he's the creator, well, then he made me. <laughs> if I realize that he's all-knowing, well, then why wouldn't I take it on his terms? Because he knows better than I do. When I realize he's all-powerful, why would in my weakness and struggles and failure, would I try to make him meet me on my terms? Lord, I wanna meet you on your all-powerful terms. I wanna trust in you, the all-knowing God. You're the creator, so as the creature, well, if I'm saying yes to your terms, I'm gonna discover that it fits me because I was made for it. Does this make sense? I just, I just want us to see along the way as we dive into some specific topics that we see how this all fits together. And so meeting him on his terms in relationship is rooted in knowing and understanding who he is, his character. It's amazing that an all-knowing, all-powerful creator God wants to be in relationship with me and believes in me enough to say, hey, there's something wonderful and beautiful that you're gonna grow into. It's what I've made you for. Come follow me and watch how I shape and mold and refine you and you're gonna become more and more like me. And you're gonna need to care about the things I care about and have an impact in the world, joining me in the things that, that are my purposes, my goals. So we step into this. So one example of one of the conditions is faith. I mean, just believing everything I just said, that takes faith. Stepping into it in practical ways in our lives, it takes faith. I wanna read a definition um, from the book. This is on page 39. Faith in Jesus. Dave puts it this way. Faith or belief is not mere credence. It involves that. He's not minimizing our creed, what we believe in, but it goes beyond that. It's not mere credence, but an active trust and reliance on Jesus for everything, from our salvation to our daily needs. We no longer look to ourselves for answers or follow our own lead, but we place our entire lives in his hands. That's faith takes faith even to, to, to dip our toes in that, to be stretched into that more and more, relying on him for our salvation and our day-to-day -day life. So let's look at how this plays out in the life of disciples here. They're in a relationship with Jesus. They're beginning to be stretched and to step out in faith, right? Some of those conditions they need to meet him at, they come as they are and they're growing into this. And so in Matthew 14, to give you some context, John the Baptist has just died. Jesus and his disciples have retreated to a desolate place to like get away and rest. They've been ministering. Now they're hurting because their, their dear friend, beloved brother has been killed. Um, and the crowds follow them as they're trying to get away. 
And the scripture tells us that Jesus has compassion on the crowds. And so his, his, his personal needs and desires, the disciples' personal needs and desires to rest and be refreshed, they, they meet up with Jesus' purpose in life to minister and care for people. And so Jesus steps right into that. And so him and the disciples spend the whole day healing and ministering, teaching all of these people that have gathered. Now we're gonna pick up the story in Matthew 14, verse 15. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. We're out in the middle of nowhere here. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Let them all go back to where they belong. We're in the middle of nowhere so they can get fed. Verse 16, but Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. There's a need. You're asking us to meet it. Man, this is all we got. We don't have enough. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. I love that. Matthew makes it clear. They didn't just get a quick nibble to hold them over. They ate, they were satisfied. In fact, they took up 12 baskets. How many disciples are there? Okay, just checking. 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. I love that leftovers are biblical. Thanksgiving right there. That Friday after, man, it's just, it's all right there. Verse 21, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. See, Jesus' original stated purpose for this moment was for them to get away and rest. And that's all right. This story doesn't diminish the fact that there's a need for rest when we're hurting, when we're tired, when we're run down. Jesus sees all that and he was providing a space for that. But then there is the capital P purpose that stood out over his life. He came to minister. And so he sees this need arise and he says, we're gonna meet it. And so the, the purpose, capital P purpose of his life caused him to say, I'm moved to meet this need. And he brought his disciples into that moment. Now watch this, consider how he stretched their faith in this moment. First thing he does is he says, you feed them. You feed them. You step into this moment. You help meet the need. You feed them. Friends, there's gonna be times where Jesus calls us to step in to do some stuff that just feels beyond us. And then I love what happens next. He says, bring me what you have. I can't tell you how many times in my life when I feel like there's a stretching moment of faith, I am so focused on me and what I lack. See, one of the biggest steps of faith is, is first to just go, okay, Lord, you have invited me into this. So, so you, can, you believe that I can participate in this. And so I'm gonna get off, my eyes off of my lack and onto you. But I love what Jesus does here. He doesn't say, you don't have enough, so let me just give it to you. He says, bring me what you got. I think for many of us, when it comes to being disciples of Jesus, 
one of the biggest things holding us back is we always have that feeling like, I don't have enough. I don't know enough. I haven't walked with him long enough. This, this need over here that is kind of on my heart and it's stirring, but I'm going like, I'm not equipped for that. Where's that believer at church that I, that I really look up to? Maybe they'll go do it. He loves to take what we have and use it. We, we were saying about this morning, right? That little bit we got, he says it's enough. Because we're not doing it all ourselves. We're coming as we are with what we have. And what did they do with it? What was their step of faith? They gave up their meal. That was their act of faith. He wants us to feed these people. I'm hungry. I'm already exhausted. I didn't have the energy for this today. Now they're finally about to go home and I've got this food I've been holding on to. I'm ready to eat it. Now I gotta give that up too? It was a step of faith to hand that to him. And so they gave him what they had. They brought it to him. And then I love this. Who performed the miracle? Where did, where did it start though? Who performed the miracle? Jesus. But he involved them in it. He involved them in it. I, it gives me goosebumps every time I think about this part of the story. He prays for the bread. He breaks it and hands it to them. Can you imagine what they must have been feeling like as they're taking this bread and they go to the first person, they tear some off and give it to them, and they look down and... <laughs> did, they, did they see it grow back? Like, God allowed them to see this miracle in their own hands. Because in faith, they were joining him in his purposes. They were trusting him with what they had and they watched him perform a miracle right there in their hands, in their midst. I love that. And what do we find out from the end of the story? Their needs were met too. Their needs were met too. Being a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean I'm just a tool for his purpose and other people's. He cares about us. He involves us in the process, but he cares about us. The disciples had enough to eat and they had leftovers. They had more than they started with, much more. 12 full baskets as opposed to the few fish and loaves. I want you to consider this. All right, faith is one of the conditions of disciple, of being a disciple. Consider this. How is Jesus growing your faith right now? Maybe you can think back on the past ways he grew your faith, but right now, Lord, how are you growing my faith right now? Is there any particular thing I'm facing, a relationship I'm in? Maybe it's even just being open to the fact that maybe he is wanting to grow my faith right now and I wanna have a little more awareness of that. Lord, do you want me to walk in faith with you? Um, here's something that might help us mine this out. Okay, if I'm asking the question, how, how is Jesus growing my faith right now? Well, what's challenging me in my walk with him? That's a good way to, to maybe see where he wants to stretch you in faith. See, often I'm going like, man, I, I might not know some huge big thing that requires a lot of faith he's asking me to step into, but I'm pretty aware of some obstacles I'm facing. I'm pretty aware of some things that are bigger than me. Hey, maybe that right there is where he's asking you to step in faith. So Lord, here's what I got. 
Where do you feel stuck, maybe, is another way to look at that. See, this is my, this is my heart for us as we walk through this, friends. It's, let's look at the scripture to learn truth, but let's also look at the scripture to see examples of how we walk this out ourselves. Like we have all these stories from these imperfect people who answered the call to discipleship. And it was an act of faith to drop their nets and follow him. It was an act of faith to quit their job as a tax collector and follow him. But that didn't mean they had arrived at the end of their faith. That got them going. But now they're standing here with thousands of people who need to eat and this is all they got. And so guess what? That's another moment to step out in faith. And so these conditions of the relationship that Jesus is inviting us into, listen, I wanna even encourage you to, to think about this a little bit differently. Perhaps the moments in my life that I view as problems or obstacles or even failures on my part are the very opportunity Jesus wants to use to have a step out in faith. I believe that. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Hebrews eleven six talking about the condition of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Forever, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Isn't that beautiful? Like, yes, faith is required to walk in relationship with him, but there's a reward that flows from it. By, by being stretched in that way, by stepping out into that. See, when I come under his conditions, it actually ends up meeting my needs. The character that he wants to stretch and grow in me is gonna be good for me. And it's gonna be good for the people around me. See, see, if I'm only aware of his purposes, right? Like if I just live life that way as a disciple, I see his purposes, I'm gonna step into my calling and I'm gonna do those purposes, but I haven't opened my life up to him developing and shaping my character then as I'm fulfilling the purposes of God, I, I can actually end up doing more harm than good. Some of the very people I'm trying to, to reach, to touch, to encourage, they get hurt. Anybody in here ever been hurt by the church? Yeah, I have been. And, and guess what? Sadly, my hand's up. I've hurt some people along the way. And thank God for his mercy. But guys, that has a huge impact. When we're living for kingdom purposes and we attach Jesus' name to it, but my character isn't growing and developing, something's missing. But see, the, the flip side is also true. If we've turned being a disciple of Jesus just into my personal growth, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm becoming a more patient person or a more kind person or whatever, but I'm not stepping into his purposes, then I'm not reproducing. I'm just kind of individually benefiting. I'm not carrying it forward. And so, it's both together. And I love how Jesus just, he embraces the messiness of it. He's just like, we're just gonna kind of do all this at once. Like what's Jesus doing in this story? Well, he's healing people. What's he doing in the story? He's, he's feeding people. What's he also doing? He's stretching and growing his disciples. But he's also meeting their needs. He's meeting them in their weakness. Like they're hungry, they're tired. See, so he's doing all these different things at once. And it's like, they already met the condition of faith and yet he's stretching them in their faith at the same time. 
Y'all see how this, this works, how it fits together? And so we just jump in on this journey of life, we jump in. And so friends, the conditions of discipleship, they may feel challenging at times, things like walking in faith, but just start where you are, bring what you have and, and be present with him. When I wake up tomorrow morning, Jesus, I wanna meet you on your terms today. How do you wanna grow and shape my character today? God, how are your purposes gonna play out? He may not answer that question in your like 10 minutes of prayer before you head off to work, but maybe that prayer opens up your eyes and at 10 o'clock in the morning, when you're faced with a situation, a a challenging person, a difficult obstacle, instead of just going, oh man, the light bulb goes off and goes, oh, you just answered my prayer. This is how your purpose is gonna be fulfilled today. Oh, this is how you're gonna shape and refine my character today. My kids have me ready to pull my hair out. Well, then it's gonna take some faith for Jesus to give me what I need to be patient with them. Maybe even to correct them, but to do it in love the way he would have me do it. And my character's grown. Y'all seeing this? Is this making sense? All right, so that's an example of like conditions of discipleship. Let's talk a little bit about the cost of discipleship now. So if being a disciple is based on, on Jesus and his terms, his conditions, then that's gonna come with a cost. And so one example of that is um, a difference in standards, like his standards of how he's calling me to live versus my natural inclinations of how I wanna live, his standards. And so to give you an example of this, let's go over now to John chapter six. And in John chapter six, like we've got, we've got John's version of this, this story. He records the feeding of the 5,000. But John does a deep dive of what comes next. And so at the end of this long day, Jesus and the disciples end up crossing, crossing the sea there. And there's a whole story around that. And they end up on the other side. And John gives us insight into what happens the next day. All these same characters come together. Jesus is there. His disciples are there. The crowd has gathered and the crowd has been added to because word spread. We, we just saw a miracle and we got fed some good food. If I get to see a miracle and I get fed some good food, I, I'm in. And if I miss that, I wanna be in the next day. And so there were extra people showing up. So let's check this out. This is John 6 now. We're gonna pick up in verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and they realized that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples. See, they noticed the disciples set out across the sea and Jesus stayed. So they're like, okay, cool. We'll hang on this side with him. And then the story was Jesus walked out across the water and got to the other side. And so they realize he's not here suddenly, but that him and his disciples had gone away. And so verse 23 now, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they'd eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So other people were gathering to see Jesus and see another miracle. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them. He just sees right past whatever their pretense is. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. 
Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Jesus is saying that following him isn't always just about getting what we want. Like a lot of our motivations, sometimes we realize it, but sometimes they're underlying and we don't realize it. A lot of our motivations are still pretty selfish for following him. And so he loves us, he'll meet our needs, he meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. He calls us to realign our lives by his standards. So he said, I'm not really here to feed you bread every day, but I am here to feed you what you really need. You need the things that lead to eternal life. You need the life that's from you. You need to feed on that. And so Jesus is saying, um, this is about trusting me to provide for what you really need. And so there's this whole long dialogue. I would encourage you to read it. It's pretty fascinating watching his interaction now with the crowds and what unfolds. But to give you a sense of it, there's this back and forth, back and forth. And what it basically boils down to is the crowds are saying, what can you do for us? And prove yourself by doing another sign. They want Jesus to meet their standards. Here's what I'm expecting to get from you. Here's what I need you to do for me. They're trying to get him to align to their standards and Jesus Jesus is not having that. He loves them enough to call them to his standard. And so uh, let me give you a taste of this. I'm gonna read a few different verses. Uh, Verse 29, Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God, right? Not seeing some miracle and getting bread. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. All right, another example of Jesus giving them a sense of what he's really calling them to. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, let me be really clear. Again, this isn't about a loaf of bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And you know, sadly, I'm a lot like the crowd here in this story. I'm pretty thick thick-headed, pretty stubborn. And so he's just like having to repeat the theme. And so finally, he literally says in verse 38, for I have come down from heaven. Okay, let me make this as clear as I can. The one that he sent from heaven, that's me. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is saying, I'm aligning my life with the standards of my father in heaven. It's his will. And so this thing I'm talking about that I'm inviting you into, I'm inviting you to the same thing. See, his standards, they will challenge us, but his, his standards, what he stands for, the life he's inviting us into, it's not just meant to challenge us to be an obstacle. He's saying, come partake of this. Come be a part of this. Come align with this way of life. And so he says, this is who I am. This is how I operate. And you're invited into that. And so he lays out this invitation. What does that produce for the crowds? Verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. See, Jesus refuses to change or lower his standard. He refuses to meet us on our terms. He calls us to meet him on his terms. And so if one of the things that this costs us is like laying down my demands, 
See, it's easy to look at this story and go, oh, they're missing it. He's the bread of life. Look at what a great thing he's offering them. Yet how often am I wrapped up in like what I know I need right now and how I know that need should be met? But Jesus is saying, hold on. I'm not coming to you on your terms. This is my standard. You align your life with me. You're invited into this life with me. Watch what I do. And so, so will we align ourselves with his standard and his purposes or will I keep trying to demand that he aligns to mine? It cost me something. It cost me something. And I have to just admit, like there, there were big moments in my life, like aha moments where I gave my life to him or you know, he confronted me in some way, but like this shows up in everyday life for me. I have a lot of opinions. I look around at what's happening in our world and our country and sadly, far too often, he exposes to me like, I'm kind of demanding that some things be done at my pace and my timing or that the standards of what God must be up to are mine. And it's, it's amazing how, how often I'm starting to realize like, wait a minute, God, like, I think your solution to this is my solution. But I have, have I slowed down and paused and asked you, what do you think about this situation? What do you want done in this situation? How, how does your purpose get fulfilled and work to align my life with that? And see, when we do that, it brings us to another one of the costs. The book, the book this week pointed this one out. Another one of the costs is being despised by society because society's gonna grumble. First, society will try to change God to be what they want him to be. And then when it gets exposed that he's not gonna do that, or some other Christians stand up and say he's not gonna do that, then they despise him and us. And so it's gonna cost us something to be a disciple of Jesus because I, as I align my life with him, that, that will offend people because it points out how they're not. And see, it not, only, it not only will cause society to despise us, friends, people within the church will too. Watch how this plays out next. After Jesus hears, hears all this, he refuses to lower the standard and it's like he puts the, the gas pedal on. And in verse 53 and 54, he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoa, that's a pretty offensive statement <laughs> and gross, I might add. Verse 54 Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Notice the response. The crowd's already grumbling and they're unhappy, but look what happens in verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen? People out in the world and even within the house of God we will hit moments in our life where if we've decided to be a disciple, God's standards will contradict ours. And that is a key moment. Will I align my life with his standards or not? And if I don't, if I refuse, then I'm, I'm gonna be confronted with this. But the sad news is for, for those of us who go, hey, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna say yes to him. I'm counting that cost as worthy and I'm gonna align my life with his. Well, then what follows is another cost. There will be some despising. And I think a lot of what the church is struggling with right now is we don't like the fact that our society is despising Jesus and his standards. 
and there's a thing within the church of wanting to force them to our standards. I don't need to force them to them, but I need to hold to those standards. I need to not compromise. And so a lot of the church is hearing from society and being influenced by that and doesn't wanna be despised by society. And so much of the church, a lot of the church in our country is changing the standards. We're compromising because we're not willing to count the cost of being despised. Anybody else see that? Is it just me? It's happening. This isn't about being a jerk. Jesus wasn't a jerk. People were drawn to him. But the, the very compassion and grace and mercy that he's offering to a world in need, he can offer it because he's just. He wouldn't be loving if he compromised and met them here because he'd be leaving them in the mess. He'd be leaving us in the mess. He loves us enough to call us out of it, to align us to his standards. So it costs something. Now listen, Jesus goes on, I'm gonna skip past this here, but Jesus goes on to make it clear that his words are not about physically, literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He's saying, I'm talking to you about something spiritual that is life-changing and eternal. You have to partake of my life. And if you partake of my life, it's gonna be the best thing for you. And sadly, the scripture records, verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They took the offering. They deconstructed their faith. And they walked away. I love what happens next. Verses 67 through 69. So Jesus said to the 12, do you wanna go away as well? I, lo I love good old Simon Peter, man. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. cost a lot. Sticking with him costs a lot. Being despised by society costs a lot. Aligning my life to his standards, not mine, it costs a lot, but it's worth it. I love the honesty of, of Peter here. He doesn't say, oh, this is great news. We're excited. He just says, hey, this is hard, but you know what? We've already seen what's out there. And it, the answer ain't there. And so this might be hard to hear, but we know you're the one with the answers. And so we're holding on to that. We're holding on to that. Last thing, we'll do this last one quickly. We've talked about the conditions, we've talked about the costs, but there's the characteristics. See, as we embrace his conditions, as we experience the costs, we begin to enjoy the characteristics because we, we begin to change. And so we take on more and more of the characteristics of what a disciple looks like because we're, we're becoming like him. And so the beauty and the joy of being a disciple of Jesus means this. Um, I wanna quote Dave Buring here from page 40 in the book. When we love Jesus, we see the truth he brings and we are changed. His disciples loved him and so they could take him as he was. They took him at his word. They absorbed that truth and it, it stuck. His truth and his love for them changed them. 
and it began to produce a bunch of characteristics. For example, Dave lists a bunch of these in the book. I'm going to list a couple because I want to see, I want you to see how they connect to real life here. One example he gave, this was all from 1 John. He gave all these examples from the letter 1 John. But look at this. One of them was disciples testify and proclaim the reality of Jesus. Peter just did that. You're the Christ. Where else can we go? They proclaim and testify to his reality. He did it right there. Disciples of Jesus, another characteristic, they obey him. That's how they walked out their faith, right? They handed him what they had. He said, go feed the people. Oh, it seems crazy. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna look like a fool. Nope. He said, do it. I'll do it. So they obeyed him. It's a characteristic. Disciples of Jesus don't love the world. It's Peter saying, where else will I go? I'm not in love with the world anymore because I realize it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't meet my true need. Or finally, Jesus or disciples love other people. See, here's, here's what they saw in the story that we've been exploring. In the story, they saw Jesus moved by compassion for the people. Now John, years later, writes these words in 1 John three sixteen. By this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. So we watched him love people. We watched him while he's mourning the loss of his, his cousin, his beloved friend and faithful servant, John the Baptist. He's mourning his death. He's exhausted from ministry. He's ready to get away and rest, and yet he sacrificially loved the crowds. We watched him. See, listen, friends, the cross was just the culmination of it. They watched Jesus sacrificially love people his whole life. And they watched him go to the cross. And so he says, this is how we know love. We saw it in him. But he doesn't stop there. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Disciples of Jesus love people because Jesus loves people. Rubs off on us. Friends, let's answer the call to discipleship. As we continue in this throughout the, the month, we're gonna see a lot of specific characteristics that he wants to grow in us. We're gonna explore some more his purposes that he's calling us into. Let's, let's decide in our heart, Lord, I wanna answer your call to discipleship. I, I understand the conditions and I wanna step into that with what I got. Even where I'm lacking, it's all right, I'm gonna bring you what I got. I wanna meet those conditions. Lord, I know it's gonna cost me something and there's gonna be moments where that cost is very real. God, would you give me the courage to stick with it? Would you enable me to, to hold on that I might see you produce these characteristics in me, that I walk in obedience, I walk in love, I testify and proclaim you, who you are to a world in need. Amen? Amen, let's pray. Lord, would you do this in us? God, I, I just wanna pray kind of a simple prayer this morning. I wanna just say help. God, we come as we are, with what we have, 
And Lord, I thank you that you tell us it's enough because we're placing our, our lives into your hands. You're the master. We're the student. You're the Lord. We're the servant. God, we, we place ourselves in your care. You're the father. We're your kids. And so God, would you help us to answer this call? Equip us with what we need. God, make it clear to us any places where we might be living with a lack of awareness or where we might be holding on too closely to what we want, our view, our standards, our demands, instead of aligning our lives to yours. Thank you that you are good and that you, in overabundance, meet our needs along the way as we walk in your purposes and we grow in character. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.